The last two weeks, we talked about finances and um, answered some questions that came in. If you have any financial questions, uh, you can email those um, to info at faithassembly.org, or you can text the main church number, 407-275-8790. Uh, we've only had that a 40-something years, um, and uh, so, or I believe so. Anyway, um, God bless you. If you've got questions, all right, get them to us, and I'll give them to Pastor Ben. He can answer them, and if they're real simple, I'll try to answer them, all right, or somebody will here on staff, but uh, God bless you richly, and those of you that have a home and you have an interest rate on your mortgage that's Maybe uh, some even being at 4%, you would benefit. But uh, if you're at 5% or more, boy, you better make a beeline because there are some brokers out at the table um, that had called us. We met with them, went over some parameters and boundaries, and uh, they're there to answer any questions you have. They'll be there after the service and to give you information how you can get in touch with them, and they can follow up with you, and you can get... Uh, a um, refi, you can, maybe you uh, recently, um, uh, you, uh, you got a mortgage for uh, uh, your house, and, and it's 30 years, and so uh, you can refi uh, right away and drop that. Well, if you recently did it, you probably already are low, but if you've held on to yours for years, you need to make sure that uh, you investigate this, because from $300, uh, $300,000 at 7% going to $300,000 at 3% is $731 savings every month. Did you hear what I just said? On a $300,000 mortgage, listen, you and I can split that right down the middle, 731, right down the middle. And uh, no, you can use that to give to a missionary when he comes through to help out in Louisiana, Amen. Okay, and so there are a lot of things you can do with 700 something dollars, and some of you could possibly save that much. So anyway, get out there, see them after the service. And good place for me to mention, uh, Faith Business Directory. Uh, just today, someone called the office asking for a roofer. Uh, just recently, somebody had an appliance problem, and so uh, we do have a list. We do know some of these people that hopefully are going to be more than reliable that could possibly help you out. And now, let me share this with you. If you are someone who's looking for a job, I mean manual labor, working in on the grounds around here, and you've got some experience, you can, uh, you know a little bit about lawnmowers and edging and all that, they could probably use you right away. So call the church office tomorrow. Okay. And I want to say this because someone mentioned to me, and I, I always appreciate um, uh, not critical uh, correction, but instructive, corrective uh, information that someone shares. You always want to be open to people sharing with you things that will help you. If you have come across in a way that uh, maybe you didn't mean to or somebody maybe even misunderstood you, I pray that uh, you'll be open to correction. How many of you are open to correction? 
How many of you are simply not open to correction? All right. Everybody in here is open to correction. So somebody shared with me, they said, Pastor, you may have given the impression that last week when I was talking about a good deal, getting a good deal, that uh, I expected it as pastor free. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's not the case. I always expect a good deal. I always expect a good deal, but I'm certainly, the last thing I'm going to do is take advantage of somebody. And if somebody said, no, I'm not going to charge you, I'm going to be, no, I, you have to pay for your services. And so I'm going to pay you. Someone recently did some work for us and I said, okay, what do I owe you? And they said, what about? And they gave me a figure and I said, what about? And it was more money. And so they didn't even argue with me. They just took it. And, uh, but anyway, uh, I like a good deal, but I'm going to treat people fair, all right? And uh, let me even say this. Since this whole COVID thing and restaurants were closed and waitresses without jobs, I have increased uh, my tips when I tip people, and I hope you have too, right? Uh, even when I go to Subway, I hit custom tip, all right? Uh, because I looked at 20%, it was like 89 cents, all right? So uh, I'm like, good grief. These people deserve a, a tip also. And so I'm going to give graciously to them. And so I've given more to people that are in that industry during this COVID deal than before. And also, uh, you know, when you go to a place and the meal is only like six dollars uh and your tip based on 15 20, not 15 forget 15 18 or 20 percent when it's 18 or 20 percent it doesn't amount to very much so why should we not give people it's the same plate it's the same glass of, of water or whatever else that a 30 dollar meal is going to arrive on so if you would give a good tip for a good, expensive, more expensive meal, why shouldn't you give a better tip for a meal that costs 6 or $7, right? Everybody at Faith Assembly said, I believe in that, Pastor. You're a little slow tonight. Okay, all right. A little slow. I, I should have edged into this. Took two or three weeks. And, all right. I feel like praying again right now. I don't know why, but... Uh, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 13. All right, we're going through the book of Proverbs. We're not hitting every verse. We're, we're hitting some highlights and things that I want to hit. All right, so Proverbs 23, and I come to uh, child rearing. I come to uh, discipline of children. How many of you still have children in your home of discipline age? Okay. Somebody really excited about discipline over here. I show. All right. Says, do not say that with me. Do not, all the parents who have kids, do not withhold correction from a child. Don't do it. Do not withhold correction from a child. For if you beat him with a rod, now, uh, this word rod, I, I should have, um, this does not mean a big old stick where you're going to lay into your kids. And, no, it's not talking about beating them in the sense that there's blood and bruises all over them. No, but it is talking about real discipline, a rod, a, a staff, a, 
a stick or a paddle. Uh, let me just use that modern term, paddle. <clears throat> and he, and look what it says. He will not, what? Die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from where? <clears throat> from hell. How many of you got a spanking when you were growing up? Anybody here? How many of you did not get a spanking? Come down here afterwards. We're going to have someone assigned for you. That is your problem right there, right? So you didn't get a spanking growing up, and you should have gotten plenty of them. How many of you that didn't get a spanking should have gotten a spanking? Let me see your hand. They don't even believe they got, yeah, all right, a couple of you believe that, all right. So um, I got spankings growing up, and I spanked my children also. I did not, um, and it's unfortunate in Scripture there, it translates that word beat because it's not talking about excessiveness. It is talking about firm, stern, discipline, real discipline that brings correction to a child. And so, no, you wouldn't use a belt on a two-year-old, but you may use a belt on a, a nine-year-old, all right? So you use God's wisdom in this. You don't, uh, and I've, I've taught on this before, but you don't slap them. Say amen, everybody. You don't slap. Some of you got slapped growing up, and uh, you should not have gotten slapped growing up. That's humiliating. Um, that's not the way to discipline. The other week, a few days ago, um, my son and daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law of love, was here with their five kids, nine and uh, under, <clears throat> nine and under. And uh, so they, they all had their bedroom. We had a couple bunk beds in there. And uh, we went in there to put them to bed. Josh, my son's in there, and he's a character and a half. And the kids are saying, uh, tell us about when you spanked daddy. And he put, boot, uh, he put books in his, in his pants. And uh, my son had told them about the time that I went to spank him and his sister. And they put books in their pants. And so that when I spanked them, that it wouldn't hurt. And so they were so excited about me telling them all about that. And uh, I hardly even remember it, but Josh did and told them, yeah. He said, uh, Dad found out I had those books in my pants, and so he spanked us on the side of the leg. I don't remember that either. I'm innocent, I tell you. All right, so, uh, but I spanked my kids. I got spanked. Uh, I was probably only 10 years old and living on a farm, uh, we were out, and some people were there working. They were, they were harvesting okra, and they were putting it in baskets and putting it on a sled, and the tractor was hooked up to it. And so Dad tells me to get on the tractor and pull it up to where the, the people were harvesting. And so I got on it, and I jerked too hard off the clutch, and one of the baskets fell over. Wasn't really my fault. He shouldn't have told me to get on there to start with. I was too young. And uh, so we had to go back there and pick up the okra. And then he told me again, well, son, go out the gate and go up to the house pulling the sled. And I went through the gate and uh, went to turn. And I was panicking. 
uh, and I can still remember as if it were right now. I can still remember driving that fence. I saw the gate open. I saw the fence there and I just started driving right toward it and I just kept going. And next thing I know, I'd driven the tire up on the fence and, and caused it to sag down. And, and finally, I got it stopped. Dad was yelling at me. And uh, I'm telling you, I'm only maybe 11 years of age. And he says, get off the tractor. And I got off. And he took this big belt. And I mean, in front of all those workers, I mean, began to spank me hard. Now, let me show you. If you spank him, it will deliver him. It will not kill him. It didn't kill me. Uh, I went on from 11 years old up to 16 years. I went on from that experience to become Jackson County, where I grew up. Jackson County, you're going to be proud of this. Jackson County tractor driving champion, all right, of the whole county. Uh, I'm telling you, and uh, it's probably because he beat me. I'm like, I am, I'm going to drive this thing right for the rest of my life. And so I became the tractor driving champion, Jackson County. Look it up, and uh, you won't find it anyway. And so, and then I went on to state, and the only reason I lost at state is because they had a dumb tractor there I'd never driven in my life. Uh, Boy, aren't you just, you're like, boy, I'm proud of my pastor. He was a tractor driving champion. And, uh, and so then, hey, that's not all. I was Mr. Grand Ridge in a class of 36, all right? So anyway, um, okay, all right. So discipline is not going to kill your child. You're not going to beat them in the sense of uh, brutal action upon them or, or causing them um, pain and suffering to the extent of bruising, that kind of thing. All right, correction should be applied regularly as needed and continued until the child is uh, older and they should respond to our, our, uh, our request at that point. All right, discipline with a stick or a rod is not designed to wound or maim, certainly not, but to teach lessons of care, caution, and obedience, teaching care, caution, and obedience. I told you before, I'll tell you quick, uh, when my dad, he was six foot something, big guy, 240 pounds, and uh, I was flat, just scared of him, all right? Anyway, he was a big guy, I was a small guy, and one day my dad, he called us, he said, Daryl, Daryl, Carl, come here. And uh, I didn't really know whether I wanted to go or not, but I knew I had to, and uh, Sometime earlier, weeks earlier, I had found some watches in his drawer in his bedroom. I don't know why I took them. I just took them. They were old watches. And I went under the house and I hit them on top of a brick and uh, column. And so dad was spraying for bugs, found the watches. And I don't know why he didn't call Dorothy or Lila or one of those, my sisters, but he knew it had to be John or Daryl or myself. He's calling us. And so I took my time getting there. And when I turned the corner to the back of the house, dad was, I mean, letting Daryl have it, letting him have it. And I just stood in amazement. I, and then I realized, because I saw the watches, I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And so panic struck me. But 
Daryl saved me. Why? Because he lied. He went around the corner. Dad said, did you put these under the house? Daryl, I guess, thought he was going to give them to him. And so he said, yes, sir. And so he grabbed him and started spanking him away. Now, listen. When somebody's in the midst of discipline, you don't try to interrupt, all right? You just let what God wants to happen, happen. And uh, so I didn't interrupt. Do you know there's some things that don't need to be told? I did not tell that until years later. I was already saved. I was like 19 years old when we were all together. I thought it was about time to let them all know. And so I shared with them, and Daryl, um, he was not happy, even 19 years later. Right? So anyway, or whatever it was. Okay, you, he will not die. Godly discipline in no way justifies child abuse. All right, let me just make sure I say that. Godly dis discipline in no way justifies child abuse. All right, uh, even, when, uh, even when they are yelling and screaming, you know how we, even we did when we were being spanked, we yelled and listen, oh my God, I, ooh. When you talk about something like this, there's always somebody sitting here remembering, dear God, remembering when somebody did it horribly wrong. And so, listen, that may have been several of you. You may have been literally beaten and abused and tragically, and my heart goes out to you. Um, that's in the past. May God totally heal you, spirit, soul, and in um, every aspect of your being, that uh, God would just turn that around for your good in some way, shape, or form. Uh, to be, a, to be an instrument in the hand of God. And uh, I know some of you were, were affected detrimentally, so let me just say right now, don't walk out of here and say, you know, pastor shouldn't be talking about that because you're, you're no doubt sensitive to it or maybe really sensitive to it because of what happened to you. Uh, I'm no way minimizing that. My heart goes out to you. Um, and anyway... But that does not negate the fact that we have an obligation before God to discipline our children with a loving discipline. Say amen. Okay. All right. And I know when I would discipline my kids, they would act like I was killing them. Um, and um, I'm going to run away from home. Okay, go. And so anyway, no, I never told my kids that. Or you're killing me. No, I am not. All right. So, all right. Um, they, a lot of times kids will say whatever they think they need to say to get out of trouble, all right? And I know all of us probably told a little fib or so to get out of trouble when we were growing up, if our kids or our parents believed in discipline. The parent uh, is personally to administer the correction, and it's godly correction, not in any other shape or form um, beyond that. Uncorrected waywardness leads to rasher, uh, rash acts of disobedience. Listen, um, I wish there was, I, I wish in every home there was the right, um, you know, there was a man, a father that loved and cared and, and was concerned and um, worked hard and, and did all the right things and, and the mother was loving and kind. And all of us came from probably somewhat dysfunctional homes. But that doesn't mean that we have to repeat it. And so God's going to help us. Amen? God's going to help you. And God's going to help your children. 
So hang in there. Um, even you single moms, with God's help, God has promised to help you. Uh, you may not have a man there assisting, helping, but God has promised to help you. And so God's got your back. Say amen. All right. Okay. Now, let me go to uh, God's expression or um, Solomon's expression to his students of what makes him rejoice. All right, Proverbs 23, verse 15, he says, my son, if your heart is wise. Now, the teacher is teaching the students, the future leaders of Israel, and he is ingraining in them the truth of all of this book of Proverbs, this wisdom downloaded from God. All right, think about it. Even on this discipline, godly discipline, downloaded from where? From God. Where did Solomon get this wisdom? He got it from God. And so uh, in Proverbs 23, 15, my son. So Solomon is saying to those students he's teaching, if your heart is wise, my heart will rejoice. Indeed, I myself, yes, my inmost being will rejoice. Rejoice when your lips speak right things. This is what just thrills a parent when their children do right things and make right decisions and, and their words speak of maturity instead of foolishness and wise decisions instead of a non-caring attitude. Um, there's a lot of problems in America and uh, there's a lot of daddy problems in America um, there's a lot of family problems in America uh, that um, God, only God can turn it around. Only God can turn it around. Okay, and in these verses in Proverbs 23, we discover how much the teacher cares about the pupil's response. If you are a teacher, I admire you. Um, you, are, you have a gift from God, but I know something about you if you have that gift. You care about your students. You care how they respond. You want them to do the right thing, to say the right thing, to work hard at uh, their subject matter. And that thrills you. It doesn't thrill you when there's disobedience or misbehavior. No, it thrills you when they're doing right. And so Solomon is saying, it thrills my soul when my students are doing right, when you, the future leaders of Israel, are doing right. Okay, so let me, uh, here's Paul. He's commending the Philippians. So we go all the way over to the New Testament where Paul is uh, observing the response of the, Corinth, or the uh, Philippian church and he is commending them. All right, Philippians chapter three, verse, or one and three, I thank my God, here's Paul, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Why? Because it causes him to rejoice. Their response, their love for God, their giving attitude, their giving spirit. And folks, let me tell you, I know our whole staff feels the same way as I do, but when we think about you, um, we, we are so proud of all of you. Um, you know, we feel confident. Even getting up here tonight and Pastor Kevin mentioning Louisiana, I have all the confidence. Some of your hearts were, well, everybody's heart was touched, but 
you, uh, you gave, and uh, our church has always responded in this COVID thing. My God, have mercy. Uh, we haven't pushed that, and people are still giving toward that. And just recently, a family in our church said, Pastor, we need help. We need groceries. Um, a family that um, has been, you know, successful, but now they're going through a difficult time. And we're able to say yes because of your giving, of your love for Christ, of your love for one another. So we know how Paul feels here because we feel the same way. I thank my God, Paul says, upon every remembrance of you, always, in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Wow. And then he commends the Bereans. Paul does. And in Acts chapter 17, 11, he says, these are, speaking of the Bereans, these are more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. Uh, hopefully the people in Thessalonica didn't find out about this, all right? So they were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. And uh, that's why years ago they named uh, uh, the, uh, the courses, that college-age-type courses we, we've taught for years here, the Berean courses. All right, Paul corrects the Corinthians who are puffed up with pride. So now he's got a wayward child, all right? Uh, he's commending the Bereans. He's commending the Philippians. But now he's got a wayward child over there in Corinth, all right? And he says to them, he's not going to let them get away with it. He loves them too much for that. Think about it. You're not going to let your kids get away with disobeying, uh, doing their own thing, just and acting like they don't care what you think or say, you're not going to let them get away with that. Why? Because there's a reason. And Paul is saying, I'm not going to let you Corinthians get away with this. Okay, let me read to you. There are a lot of verses here, and boy, I'm, I need to hurry up. All right, so you are already full. You are already rich. He, I, it almost seemed like he'd been a little sarcastic here, but this is where they were. They were puffed up. They were prideful. And he says, you have reigned as kings among us. And indeed, I, I could wish you did reign, that we also might reign with you. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, Paul says, but you are strong. That's, they thought they were strong. Paul was weak. The, other, the opposite was true. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. I do not write these things to shame you. Look at this. Verse 14. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. Okay. For this reason, I've sent Timothy to you. I'm sending Timothy so he can help straighten you out. Your attitude is not right. Your disposition is not right. Uh, you need to change your attitude, and sooner than later, okay? Who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. What do you want? Look what he says. Last verse here, 21. What do you want, Corinthian church? What do you want, Corinthians? Shall I come to you with a... Rod, shall I come to you with correction 
or in love and a spirit of gentleness. He was not going to let them get away with this bad attitude, this puffed up attitude. Absolutely not going to let them get away with it. And he's, he's being uh, firm, strong, and uh, yet he is letting them know this is totally unacceptable. I'm going to send Timothy. He's going to help you. I'm interested not just in reproving you. I'm interested in increasing you and getting you on the right path. So we're going to do what's necessary. We're going to send Timothy. Shall I come to you with a rod? No. I want to come to you in love and a spirit of gentleness. And then we come to Proverbs. 23, 17. Wow. Uh, we'll close with this in just a few minutes. It's going to take me a few minutes to get through it. And uh, boy, uh, the last part of this chapter, Proverbs talks about wine bibbers and, and all that it says about the symptoms of drinking. And, and uh, uh, I don't know if, I don't think anybody here needs that but somebody you know needs it. All right, so anyway, Proverbs 23, 17. Look what it says. Do not let your heart envy who? Sinners. Don't let your heart envy sinners, okay? But be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the days. For surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. Whoa. He said, don't be envious of sinners. Now, this has been something that has potentially uh, affected believers uh, for every, I mean, even back all the way to David's day when David envied sinners, and he admitted it. And uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. But Solomon is saying here, don't envy sinners. Don't let your heart Envy sinners. Don't think that, boy, you know, look at all the fun they're having. Uh, you know, here I am on a Wednesday night church. Uh, look at all the, my friends are all out there, you know, somewhere. You know, they're just living it up. Uh, you know, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. And, uh, and they're just having a good old time. And I'm, I'm in church. I'm trying to serve God. I'm trying to be faithful and pure and righteous. And... Uh, so he says, don't envy sinners. Don't feel like that you are losing out on something and they have this pleasure in life and you look at them and they don't ever seem to struggle. Why is it that so many, why is it that so many rich people in America, I'm talking about billionaires even, there's no indication they're believers. Gates, there's no indication he's a believer. Uh, Others, uh, Amazon, um, the founder of Amazon. There's no indication he's a believer. Um, Tesla, uh, the uh, guy that started Tesla, uh, no indication. Um, and so why is it that some of these people have these uh, giant, uh, just mega billionaires almost? Why is it? Well, you know, the truth of the matter is God wants to bless his people. Do you know J.C. Penney? Uh, it's now almost defunct or is, but J.C. Penney at its time, J.C. Penney, the man that started that, was a born-again believer that loved God with all of his heart. His attitude was, 
I want to give away 90%. I want to live on 10%, literally. And uh, he didn't even want to go into credit, didn't want to start taking credit cards in the early days because he didn't want people to go in debt. And so J.C. Penney was started. Days, uh, uh, what is it, Days In, I think it was, that was started as a Christian organization. Publix, uh, hopefully it still is, was started as a Christian organization. Woolworth was started as a Christian organization. Uh, there I could go on and on and on where in the, in the history of America, Christians have been used tremendously. When you, the next time you drive by a semi-truck that's got a bunch of cars on it, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Those trailers where cars are tucked this way and that way, and you're like, how do they get those cars on there? That was designed by a Christian man. I mean, I don't know. I, he obviously had the wisdom of God to design that crazy-looking thing to get off, and they're still using it. And it's been years and years and years and years. All right, so we can't be envy us of sinners. How shall we react when persons who reject God's way seem to get what they want and go unpunished? In such cases, we may be tempted to envy. Okay. So, give me a minute here, and I'm going to read you what I think is pretty incredible. Uh, years ago, I first read this in the Living Bible, and I was like, wow, uh, because I could identify. And you're going to, uh, if you're going to be truthful, you'll identify also. Okay, here's what David said. I don't have it on the screen. Just listen, all right? Put away your phone. Put away your thoughts on uh, what you're going to do after the service. Put away on what you're going to eat after service. You're not going to eat anything. It's going to be too late to eat. All right, so anyway, uh, so uh, look at it. He says in Psalm 73, David got envious. David, in the younger years of his life. And he says, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I envied the prosperity of the wicked. He says, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. If you ask the average person in America today, what is your answer? What would they say? Are you still there? All right, so uh, if you ask the average person, if you ask the average per Christian, what is the one thing that would change your life that really but you need? Money, 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 money. Money. And the answer is not money. It is God, right? That is what the average person in America needs, is God. It is not money. But... We all struggle at times in life with this. It says they have no struggles. This is David. He's admitting that he thinks the wicked rich have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens that they are not, that are not plagued by. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From, from their callous hearts comes iniquity. They scoff and speak with malice. Okay. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their they're going to heaven. I mean, their tongues take possession of the earth. That's what they say. Now, uh, 
I really like this. In verse 12, it says, This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Just this week, I read where some of the richest people in America during the last five months, their income increased some 25 plus percent. Wow. How many of you had your income increase 25%? No, don't get jealous. All right, so anyway, all right, don't get jealous. The key is not to take all their money. Because if you take all their money, tax the rich. That is not the answer. Pretty soon you run out of the rich. Pretty soon you run out of people that you can tax all their wealth. After you tax it all, they don't have anymore, all right? California right now, people are leaving that place like crazy. Who wouldn't want to? And so with all the little craziness going on, they're leaving, and now the government in Sacramento is talking about taxing them retro, retro. Going to tax them for years that they amassed wealth in California and now they're leaving it, and they're going to Texas, and they're going to other places that run more conservatively. This is what the wicked are like. And that's why house prices are going up. Those New Yorkers are coming down here. All right, this is what the wicked, and we want them. All right, this is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on, a mat. their wealth just increases. Wow. Now, let me read to you. He goes on and on. I mean, he's, he's ticked about these rich people, all right? And then he says in verse 16, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. And then David did something. When he looked and saw the news of all the rich and famous, and they looked so happy. They looked so happy, and they had all this fleet of cars they could take a car, a different car a day. Uh, filled with luxury homes, several homes. Got homes all over the place. Um, and yet, David said, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Until, here it is, until he did something. And this is your answer and this is mine. When things trouble us in life, until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Wow. In other words, David said, I envied them because they looked like they were having such a good time. They couldn't do any wrong. They just got richer and richer and richer and richer. They looked like they were in good health and just enjoying everything about life and I'm struggling, I'm barely getting by. I'm facing things that they don't seem to face. And I got a little mad about it, and I was envious of them. I wanted to be like that until I walked into the sanctuary of God, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes on him, and he realizes, oh, my goodness, their eternal destiny is not mine. The wicked rich are going to, in the end, suffer. I, on the other hand, though I suffer now, God will keep me in eternity. 
And so for you and I, the same is true. Amen. And so thank God. You and I may struggle here. You may never be a billionaire, millionaire, all right? But those that are and flaunt God, hey, one day you're going to stand there with God, and they're going to walk before God. And you are going to say, oh, my goodness, look, the one I read about, the billionaire, the one that just seemed to have everything, God has just said, depart from me. I never knew you. And at that moment, you will be so glad that you endured whatever you went through, whatever you suffered, whatever sacrifice you made. At that moment, no doubt tears will stream down our eyes and the gratitude of our hearts will well over into praise that will last eternity. Bow your heads with us, please. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Here we are, just like David. He came into the sanctuary, into your presence. And we have come into this place, which is a sanctuary. And your presence is here. And the same for those watching online. God, they sense your presence right now. They sense your glory. God, may we not be distracted with what this world has to offer. God, keep us settled, established, firm in our faith and our walk. And though we may have the mental twisting of thought from time to time, I pray, oh Lord God, that when we walk back into your presence, our hands will lift, our hearts will rejoice at the ultimate plans you have for us. In Jesus' name. While every head is bowed, please. Every head is bowed. And let me just ask, if you're here and you don't know Christ, or you've backslidden, you've gotten away from God, and same for those of you that are online. If you're watching and you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, I, I pray the same response for you and for you in the building here tonight. If that's you and you need forgiveness, you need to get right with God I want to pray for you. Others are praying right now. So Christians be praying right now, whispering a prayer of intercession. So across this building, if that's you, lift your hand high. Just lift it up high. Yes. Others, quickly, just lift it up high. Lift it up high. Anyone else in this place? Anyone else? Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? They're online in the risers. You need God. You need to get right with God. Anyone else? Jesus, stand with us, please, everyone. Everyone standing with us, please. Wow. Um, Jesus, 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 Jesus. The same spirit that was there for David to reveal to him the answer to the anguish of his heart and the questions of his mind. It's the same spirit that is here. Same spirit. Holy Spirit of God. To touch your life, to minister to you. Um, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whatever the enemy is trying to do, thank God the Spirit of the Lord is going to lift up a standard against him by the grace and help of God. So tonight, 
Listen, you raise your hand. You needed God in just a moment. Pastor John's going to lead us in this course. I want to challenge you. Make your way to this altar area and pray. We're going to ask you to come. And anybody else that's in this building, you didn't raise your hand, but you should have. You're not walking with God. You need to come this way and get right with God before you leave this building. And those of you that are here, maybe your marriage is in dire circumstances or your body is racked with pain and, or maybe there's a burden on your heart for someone else. Why don't you just come to this altar? You can feel free to stand around this altar. If you need somebody to pray for you, then just indicate when you see a prayer team member come by. Then one of the pastors is going to come to serve you communion. So, but if you need prayer, why don't you make your way to this altar right now as Pastor John leads us. Father, in Jesus' name. Pray before you leave this building. this direction please pastor john is going to pray for those that are here pastor wayne will be here to serve you communion so pray with us before you leave father in jesus name thank you so much oh, for speaking to our hearts tonight god we realize your promise that our inheritance is among those lord god who are sanctified by you lord god and i thank you that you're drawing people lord god into your holiness lord god into your righteousness into your promises into your truth lord i thank you for those that are walking into your love lord god for the first time tonight that have said yes and made that decision for the first time tonight and those lord god that are rededicating their lives i thank you for them as well in each and every one of us lord god that are are saying god we're going to stand with you we're going to live for you we're going to have let you have your way in our lives god i thank you that you're going to lead each and every one of us guide us and give us help and strength and grace, Lord God, to face not only the rest of this week, but the rest of our lives, Lord God, with your wisdom, with your love, Lord God. We receive, Lord God, your direction for our lives, and we promise, Lord, that we want to see you glorified here in the earth. So God, even as we leave this place tonight, let us not leave your presence, but go with us, Lord God, and let us see your movement in our lives. We honor you and bless you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. We love you so much. Thankful that you're here tonight. Pastor Wayne is here to serve anyone who would like to uh, take communion this evening. If you're watching online and you'd like someone to pray with you, we want you to know that there are people here uh, to pray with you. You can call the number that's on your screen and somebody will minister to you uh, right there on your phone. We'd love to have you call. Also, our altars are still open for anyone in the sanctuary that would like to come. God bless you, and we hope to see you again very soon.